Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. It's page 1002 in your pew Bibles. 1002, Mark 1 verse 21. Mark 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the house of Simon and and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Amen. Now, were I to get you to close your eyes and say the word Sabbath, I wonder what pictures would begin to form in your mind. Maybe you would think of a church service or a scene from up north or maybe even Here in Airdrie, as you stretch back through the years to the time when the Sabbath was regarded as a day of rest, when shops stayed shut and washings stayed indoors and people stayed off their work. Certainly, 2,000 years ago in Jesus' day, the Sabbath was taken very seriously. Indeed, it was regarded as a holy day and a quiet day, a day of rest. And yet what we find in our passage from Mark chapter 1 today is a busy day and a noisy day filled with activity. Because even on the Sabbath, the work of God goes on. And so we meet Jesus in this passage, in these verses, teaching the ignorant and healing the sick and freeing the spiritual captives. 
And so I want us just very simply to have a look at this passage, to, to journey, as it were, with Jesus through these verses, and to ask ourselves three simple questions. Or perhaps better to say, to allow the text to ask us three simple questions. We often find ourselves speaking as if it's us who get to probe and challenge and question the text of Scripture. But the reality when we read the Bible is completely the other way around. The more we read Scripture, the more we find it challenges us, it questions us, it probes us, it changes us. So let's allow this passage of Scripture to ask us three questions. I'm going to be, I'm going to endeavor to be short and simple, brief and to the point today. I know we have a, a brief members meeting after the service. My voice is a little bit, uh, is struggling a little bit, so I'm going to try and be short and simple. But even the shortest and the simplest questions that fell from the lips of the Lord had the power to challenge and to change lives. And I trust that as we look at this passage, we will hear not my voice, but the voice of the Lord Jesus. And we'll be open to all that he wants to say to us. So firstly then, verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So here's question number one. Do you listen to Jesus? Jesus was different, very different from the teachers of his day. He didn't give a few opinions from highly regarded scholars on the passage. He didn't give a few interesting thoughts he certainly didn't give a kind of motivational pep talk or a, a kind of vague, you know, if you've ever listened to Radio 4, kind of thought for the day, these spiritual sounding words which hang about up there, they're vague and they're ethereal. They sound good, but you don't really know what they mean. And so they don't really challenge you. They don't really change you. No, he spoke as one who had authority. John's Gospel tells us no one ever spoke like this man. The context is that, you know, there's, there's this, almost this riot beginning to brew as Jesus speaks. He's dividing people right down the middle. And the Pharisees question the temple guards. They say, why did you not arrest him? Why did you not bring him here? And the temple guards don't make up an excuse they don't say, oh, there would have been a riot. We couldn't do it. It wasn't in our authority, not our remit. They just said very simply, no one has ever spoken as this man speaks. They were rendered powerless in his presence because of the authority with which he spoke. It astonished the crowds. It amazed the people. And it enraged the leaders. Not because he spoke with greater eloquence or greater energy, but greater authority. He said things that only God should say. And so if you come to the conclusion that the Lord Jesus Christ, that this man is not mad and he's not bad, and yet he's saying things that only God should be entitled to say, 
where does that leave you? Well, this is where it leaves you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As he stood up in the synagogue on that Sabbath day, those who heard him heard the living Word of God proclaim the written Word of God. Isn't that amazing? I would have loved to have been there on that day to hear those words, to hear that message. And yet he still speaks. The one who commands the wind and the waves to be still, the one who commands the dead to rise and the demons to flee, the one who spoke the very universe into existence still speaks today. Are you listening for his voice? If you were to get a call from the police uh, or from the Queen, you know, if you go home this, this afternoon and press play in the answer phone, and there's a message from Her Majesty the Queen there, you would listen carefully, wouldn't you? Because the Queen or the police, they have authority. What they say matters, and if they're addressing you, you're surely going to listen. You are going to heed what they have to say. Well, Jesus speaks today by His Spirit as we open His Word. The only question is, are we listening? And does our living show that we are listening to what the Lord has to say to us? There are so many distractions in our world. There is so much noise. The world proclaims its message every time we switch on the television, every time we open our newspaper, every time we have a conversation with someone whose worldview is shaped around the assumption that there is no God, the world proclaims its message. It's the air that we breathe. Are we listening for the voice of the Lord, and are we living in the light of what He has to say to us? Verse 23, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demons knew who he was, the Holy One of God. Was that enough? Did Jesus say, well, you've passed your re-theology test? Well done, 100%. You're in. You're on your way to heaven. Congratulations. No, of course not. It's not enough to know about God. We need to know God. We need to know God as our God. We need to know God as our Heavenly Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew Him, but they didn't love Him. They didn't serve Him. They didn't honor Him. And so their failure poses us our second question. Firstly, do you, oops, sneak preview, do you listen to Jesus? Secondly, do you love Jesus? Verses 23 and 24. 
Do you love him? What a question. It's a question upon which everything hinges. You will not be asked a more important or pertinent question in your lifetime than do you love the Lord Jesus? James says, you believe there is one God, good. And that's a big, in 2,000 years ago, that's a big theological question. How many gods are there? James lived in a world where most people assumed there were loads of God, gods. So he says, you believe that there is one God, good. You've passed that wee doctrinal test. You've ticked the box. And then he says, even the demons believe that and shudder. It's not enough. It's not enough just to have information about God up here, to get a theology degree, to sit in church week after week, month after month, year after year, and learn loads of stuff about who God is. It's not enough. The demons knew up here who Jesus was. If we were to set a doctrinal test for them, they would pass with flying colors. But they would fail the test that truly matters. Do you believe in the Lord? That is, do you trust Him? Do you obey Him? Because if you don't, then you certainly don't love Him. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John obviously remembered that as he was writing his first letter. He said, this is love for God, to obey His commands. And his commands are not burdensome because everyone born of God overcomes the world. Do you love him? Have you overcome the world and the ways of the world? Are you forgiving those who have wronged you? Are you loving those who otherwise would be your enemy? Are you fighting for purity and for holiness? Are you using all that He has given you to stand out and step up and serve Him? If you love me, says the Lord Jesus, you will keep my commandments. Or how about other words from Jesus? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Lord, you must have known. Sat on the same seat for 57 years every Sunday. I know all the stuff. I could pass every test. There must be some mistake. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do you love him? That's the question. But there is good news. There is good news. You'll remember Peter denied Jesus in the most cowardly fashion imaginable, not once or twice, but three times. 
And yet the Lord Jesus, in an act of amazing grace and love, assured Peter before he had betrayed him that he had prayed for him. And that after, he assured Peter that after he had betrayed him, he would be restored and he would be a blessing to his brothers in Christ. Regret and shame are horrible emotions. They can utterly cripple a person. They can rob a person of all hope of joy and peace and fulfillment. Can you imagine the regret and the shame that Peter felt after he had rejected Jesus those three times? And yet when the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, meets with Peter again, he gives him the opportunity three times. Just as he's rejected Jesus three times, Jesus gives him the opportunity three times to affirm his love for him. Three times he asks Peter the same question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's not enough to believe that he existed. It's not enough to believe that he's the Holy One of God. If you don't love him, it doesn't matter at all. But if you are breathing, no matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been, how shameful, how guilty, how vile, how cowardly, it's not too late to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, here and now, in this place, you have a chance to place your trust in Him again. You have, your, you have a chance to affirm your love for the Lord Jesus. You will never encounter someone as worthy of your love as Him. And you will never encounter someone who loves you as much as He does. And so it's not burdensome to bow before him, to surrender all to him, and to affirm your love for him. It's not burdensome. It's a joy and an honor. Do you listen to Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Our third and final question. Do you look to Jesus when things go wrong? To whom do you turn? How thankful we should be for friends and for family members, for good neighbors, for social care, for the NHS, to those of you who have paid your taxes over the years, thank you very much. I'm getting my money's worth out of the NHS, and I'm profoundly thankful for it. We should be so thankful for all these people and all these things, but no one knows or understands our needs like he does. 
And no one else has the power and the authority to change any circumstance, any situation. And what an invitation he issues in his love and in his grace and in his mercy. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says in John's gospel, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Simon's mother-in-law is ill. The disciples, this group of friends and followers are concerned, and so they turn to Jesus, and they bring their concerns to him. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Jesus still goes to people and takes their hand and helps them up in response to the prayers of his people. Listen to him, love him, and look to him. It's not burdensome to do so. It's a joy to live your life like that because he is the one who first loved us and gave himself for us. And it's on that truth that we close our service by celebrating together as we sing the King of Love, my shepherd is.